I'm Roy Sharples and welcome to the Unknown Origins podcast. Why are you listening to this podcast? Are you an industry expert looking for insights? Are you growing your career? Or are you a dear friend helping to spur your old pal on? I created the Unknown Origins podcast to have the most inspiring conversations with creative industry personalities and experts about entrepreneurship, pop culture, art, music, film, and fashion. Authentic photographers are artists who use the camera as a wand to blend their artistic eye with technical know-how, to capture snapshots in time that demystify the complex to convey its verbal description. Award-winning freelance photographer Brian Smale provides perspective on the harsh truth of the camera eye by portraying some of the world's leading businessmen and women, scientists, inventors and politicians. Assignments for magazines such as Fortune, Business Week, Forbes, Fast Company, Esquire, GQ, Rolling Stone and Spin, and commercial clients including Microsoft, Panasonic, Boeing, Fuji and Seattle Children's Hospital. He has also snapped many luminaries such as Muhammad Ali and Bill Gates. Welcome Brian Smale. What inspired and attracted you to photography in the first place? When I was a kid, um, my uh, dad took me out in the backyard and we took a lot of pictures with the little brownie camera of each other. And we just shot lots of pictures of us doing goofy things. And I really enjoyed it. I just enjoyed the process and um, kind of the idea of you know freezing a, a moment in time. You have a knack for making your subjects feel comfortable and confident and it really comes through on your end product. I guess when you've done something for a number of years, yeah. you, you have a confidence in your, yourself and in your equipment. Yeah. And, and I have a great assistant, Lucian, who um, who's able to you know kind of think ahead of everything I do and yeah. really help out a lot. But a lot of it's just you know um, having done uh, portraits for a long time yeah. and kind of knowing in your mind that you're able to pull something out of whatever whatever's there. Yeah. Um, and I guess that helps the subject to you um, to feel confident and comfortable. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so really, I think, I think it's just practice. Yeah. You know, you just, just do something often enough and you can recognize situations that, that might work well as a picture. Yeah. What is your creative process in terms of how do you make the invisible visible by dreaming up an idea, converting that idea into a concept, and then turning that concept into actualization? 90% of my work is portraiture. And the bulk of that work is really to, to illustrate what the person looks like. And usually that's in, in their environment, uh, whether it's work or home or whatever they do. Sometimes the uh, purpose behind the picture is to illustrate what it is they do or the idea behind uh, what the story is all about. So I try to find some kind of um, visual trick or, you know, visual um, image somewhere that, that, that can illustrate what it is that person is all about. Um, an example of one shoot like that that I 
I did for Smithsonian Magazine was a, a professor in um, eastern Washington at uh, Washington State University who discovered that environmental toxins can cause genetic damage that can be passed down to your descendants. The uh, editor of, of the magazine, of Smithsonian Magazine, came up with an idea of using Darwin's finches as, as, a, um, as a tool to explain how the genetics work. So we, we had a tree um, cut out of plywood, like a, a fake tree, and a whole bunch of fake birds uh, cut out of plywood as well, most of which were painted yellow, um, like the little yellow finches. But a few were painted black, and they were arranged in the tree in a, a way that shows, like a family tree, the um, the lineage of how genetic damage can actually be passed on from um, parent to child. And I think it actually worked out pretty well. Um, it, it, it's hard to explain verbally which I guess is why they use pictures. <laughs> so you got to see the picture in order to understand what I'm talking about. Um, but I, I, that's one uh, example of uh, making uh, a concept or an invisible idea visible. Another uh, example is something I did for uh, Stanford Medicine Magazine. I did a portrait of a um, man who's the, uh, the chair of the ophthalmology department. And we did a number of regular, fairly traditional portraits of him, but the one that was ended up being used as the uh, opener, the, the lead picture in the story, was, it was something that really actually happened not out of planning, uh, but just spontaneously. Uh, I was photographing him in their new office. Uh, part of the uh, the entrance uh, lobby, there was a number of glass panels that were separated by about an inch of air. And so I photographed him through the glass panels, but just um, revealing his eye. And so you could see the outline of his body. It was fairly diffused, and you couldn't really tell who it was. But the most important part of him was his eye, and that was was in, in focus. And uh, I, that's what ended up opening up the story and really it doesn't matter what he looks like. It was all about the eyes. <laughs> I remember you mentioning previously about the shoot that you that you did with Jonathan Ping, the author of My Money Blog. Can you explain a little bit more around what the artistic concept of that was? He uses his own personal finances uh, in, in quite a great deal of detail uh, uh, to help people just manage their own finances. And for a, a number of years, he was doing it anonymously. And he got very popular, but also he was um, being taken to task a lot by being anonymous. And a lot of people didn't believe uh, some of his uh, blog entries, I guess, um, because he was being anonymous. So he, he felt pressure to reveal himself. So there was a story about this in Business Week where he actually you know, came out and exposed his own name to uh, the world. And they asked me to do a portrait that that showed that, and it was uh, it took a little bit of planning, and uh, but he was uh, very involved in it. And um, what we did was because he was using the computer to 
hide his identity for a long time and then to turn around and use it to reveal his identity. I ended up taking a picture that um, using a compute, uh, a monitor that obscured his face in, in reality, but revealed his face by the, being a picture of him on the monitor. And it actually worked out really well. I, I, I thought, um, the the downside of, of it was that it worked out so well it looked like it was just a Photoshop um, situation. Uh, so I assure you it was all one straight shot. But he um, basically put a, a laptop right in front of his face with a picture of himself in that situation. Ah, uh, on the laptop, showing the same size as it would be in real life. How has the changes in technology affected the way that you work as a photographer? The biggest change has been digital. Yeah. Uh, and it's been phenomenal. And I really do, you know, despite all the, the problems with digital photography, I, I think my pictures are better for it. Um, part of that is the instant feedback you get. Um, but it's also very freeing because it allows you to experiment and get the results very quickly. And it's, there's a great deal more forgiveness in the digital files than there ever was in film. Uh, So in the past with film, you you had to be very um, technically savvy to, to get the result you're after. And if you really wanted to experiment, you had to experiment very deliberately and with digital, it's it's much more um, freeing. It's much more open. And you can experiment, and five minutes later, or five seconds later, you can decide whether or not you want to pursue that yeah. that avenue. Uh, so it's been it's been pretty great, actually. I, I, there's, there are some downsides to the digital revolution, but I actually think um, it's been a positive overall. Yeah, that makes total sense with regards to how the digital revolution has disrupted photography. Technology can help broaden an artist's creativity while also mitigating the challenges they may encounter. It makes the production of art less demanding and time-consuming. Traditional photography requires more stages before the image can be reviewed and edited and effectively costs more money and takes a lot more time. Digital technology has changed the role of photography in society in many ways by capturing images anywhere at any time to be able to send images to another person through text messaging, sharing it online, email. It allows people to review and edit images almost instantly after the image has been captured and appreciated across many platforms, internet, social media, and the likes at global scale. What are the key skills needed to be a photographer? Let's hone that in further. What are the essential skills for an editorial photographer? Well, I, I, I think you need to um, be able to understand what your subject is and, and the purpose behind the picture, whether it's a simple depiction of the person's face or if it's, if it's an illustration of, the, of an idea behind the person. If somebody is, uh, for example, asked you to take their picture, you have to understand why and how they'll use it. Uh, sometimes it'll be a picture just for their personal use to, to give to their family or a loved one. 
otherwise other times it might be for their their business uses um, so i think it's something you just have to take into consideration all the time is you know how it will be used you're in a time machine and it's going backwards based on the lessons learned to date in terms of the keys to success and the pitfalls to avoid what advice would you give to a younger brian i think what i would say to younger Brian or any young photographer is to be true to you yourself, to, to whatever it is that you want to do. Because if you try to predict what somebody else is going to want to see, you're just going to end up cranking out stuff that somebody else could do. As a professional, you got to, you got to take into consideration what someone wants. Sometimes you're going to get hired by, you know, Joe's garage and Joe just needs a picture of his car and that's what you got to do right because that's what you're going to pay the rent right but if Vanity Fair calls you and says we just need a Brian picture of Joe in his garage (laughs) then you got to go and take a picture of Joe in his garage that satisfies you because that's really what they want what's your vision for the future of photography there of course will be a um constant need for photography, whether it's still or, or, or video. Um, I'm not sure that it's going to be a great career for people to, to get into. If a young person came to me tomorrow and said, I'd like to be a photographer, is that a good idea? I'm not sure I could say yes, because um, everybody can take a good picture now. Every, absolutely everybody, and it costs nothing. Uh, so as a career, I'm not sure it's uh, it's got a great future, but I everybody thinks visually now. And so I think visuals are always going to be in demand. And we're, we're just constantly, uh, we're overwhelmed by them. They're, they're everywhere. Right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my, my, uh, my vision for the future of photography is very positive, but my vision for the future of photographers is not so good. Technology has democratized photography and made it accessible and affordable to anyone with a camera phone, enabling people to take decent looking photos regardless of their photographic prowess or technical education and know-how. However, this is not in the same realm or league as a professional photographer who understands the science, so the composition, the lighting, and also the art of photography. Photography is a language that communicates through visual objects and elements instead of words that connect emotionally to the chords of our hearts and expands our imagination. Instead of people who simply take a good picture from their iPhone, which becomes about the actual subject than the photograph itself or the, or the photography itself, what attracts attention here is the actual person posing and doing a selfie of themselves. And that's not art. My point being is that the art and craft of photography does not equate to mass commoditization of photo taking enabled through technology. Surely in the future, there must be life on Mars for photographers. Brian, what is the key difference between the craft of professional photography versus a novice with an iPhone? Well, a lot of it has to do with practice. And and just as a craft, you have to know and be comfortable with what your equipment and your your software can do. Um, 
And once you know that, once you feel comfortable with that, then you can kind of just look for the composition or the lighting or you know, the design um, and and understand what the subject is or wants. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's really practice. I mean, uh, it, and to be able to deliver, I mean, as, as a professional photographer versus a, a person with an iPhone, yeah, you can take a good picture with an iPhone, but a professional will, of course, be able to do it every day um, and deliver. Who is the most interesting person that you photographed? I mean, I probably photographed two of the most famous people in the universe, Muhammad Ali and Bill Gates. (laughs) Ali once and Gates probably a dozen times. To be in the company of one of the greatest of all time in Muhammad Ali, that must have been an elating experience. It, it was fantastic to be able to take his picture. Have you had the opportunity to photograph one of your heroes? And also, do you recommend, if given the opportunity, that you should photograph your heroes or not? Or recommend even just simply meeting your heroes or not? You should never, ever, ever meet your heroes. <laughs> I was a huge fan of Jonathan Richmond for years, and I just loved his music. And I got the opportunity to photograph him for Rolling Stone several years ago, and I was very excited. And so we um, arranged to meet in Central Park, and he came by himself, and um, which I really respected. I thought that was just fantastic because yeah. most times. They would come with an entourage, but no, uh, Jonathan Richmond came by himself and he clearly didn't enjoy the process, but he came anyway. And I I got a few pictures of him that I quite liked, but at some point, I I guess I must have said something or done something that they didn't like and he ran away. (laughs) He just... Picked up and ran away from the shoot. <laughs> and ultimately, I got enough um, good pictures of him for the story. But um, it was just, I, I was kind of speechless at the end of it all. <laughs> we'll put that down to artistic differences or artistic temperament. He was great. And I really enjoyed photographing him. And then he just suddenly ran away. What is the most creatively challenging piece of work that you've done and why? I have never, I had never shot fashion in my life and never intended to. But uh, one day, several years ago, I got a a call from a good friend who's a a art director and said he had a client that was a uh, jewelry designer and asked me to do a series of photographs, a series of ads for, for that. Um, <clears throat> I was really wasn't interested. I had no skills in that, that, uh, that world and uh, wasn't particularly interested. So I, I tried to uh, avoid it and they, they kept asking and apparently the client really liked my work. So we got we got into a meeting and we talked about it a little bit and apparently they were looking for something in the style of Helmut Newton. So I, I still wasn't interested and I just suggested that they call Helmut Newton and ask him to do it. 
mostly just to get out of the shoot, but also should I end up doing the shoot and just wouldn't make it seem like I was a bargain in terms of my fee. <laughs> anyway, uh, I finally did uh, get talked into doing it, and uh, we went down to New Orleans. And as it turned out, the models were great, the locations were great, everything worked out really well, and the pictures were, were all nice. So I was happy with that. And at the end of it all, I ended up marrying the client, so it all really worked out very well. What do you find to be the most creatively fulfilling work to do, and why? Well, I really enjoy doing portraits. That's, that's, uh, that's something I've always liked doing. And it just lets you um, enter somebody else's world and learn about what they do. Uh, the Probably the most fun uh, I have is taking pictures of people that have never been shot before for for anything, any sort of public um, display. Because they, they may have done something unusual or extraordinary or been involved somehow in something that is newsworthy. And when you fly halfway across the country to meet them and take their picture, they're, they're always really, or usually, they're, they're flattered and surprised. And will then uh, do anything, to, you know, to help you get their picture, and, and that's always really fun, you know, because they, um, it's just really fresh and new for them, and it just, it's, it's really a, a great, great fun thing to do. What photographers and the photography styles have influenced you the most? Probably the the, the, the greatest influence on me has, was a guy I worked for for a few years, Nigel Dixon. Uh, who's a terrific editorial photographer. He, he does a, a lot of different things well, and um, I really learned a lot from him and stole a lot from him. And, um, I, you know, I just think he's a terrific photographer. But I also liked other, a lot of others, of the you know, usual suspects like Annie Leibovitz, um, uh, Helmut Newton, Richard Avenon, Irving Penn, Sebastian Sagado, um, all those kind of, you know, uh, heroes of the industry. What makes an image iconic? There, there's some pictures that you just can't forget. And um, I, you know, some, a lot of things come to mind. Um, some are unpleasant, like they're violent, or, or others aren't, are, are, you know, nice, pleasant pictures. Like something I was just looking at recently was uh, Bob Gruen's picture of John Lennon with the New York City t-shirt. Um, and that I think is probably etched in just about everybody's mind of a certain age. And uh, there's other things that are pretty unpleasant that like uh, images from the Vietnam War like the picture of the little girl who just uh, been hit by napalm and running and she's running towards the camera. I, I don't think anybody who sees that can forget it. Uh, there's another picture of a, um, a Viet Cong soldier being executed with a pistol. And uh, again, I, you know, it's the kind of picture that it's hard to look at, but you, you can't forget it. And that'll always be in your mind. And Sebastian Salgado did a big series of photographs of gold miners in Brazil. And it's just a vast field of tiny, tiny images, like little, little workers climbing up ladders with sacks of dirt on their backs. 
Uh, they just look like uh, an anthill. It's unbelievable what these people will do to survive. And you can't unsee that. <laughs> Killer question for the climatic ending. Does the camera ever lie? Of course not. Only photographers. You have been listening to the Unknown Origins podcast. Please follow, subscribe, rate, and review us. For more information, go to unknownorigins.com. Thank you for listening.